0: Welcome to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour, bringing you honest talk, even when it bites. Now on 77 WABC,
1: here are your hosts, Alex Alexanian and Brenda Bush.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're back on the air at 6 a.m. in New York. God knows what time it is, the rest of the country. Early. (laughs) Early is the word for it. Listen, you guys are not awake, wake up. We're gonna talk about your pets.
3: Time to take the dogs out. Yeah, listen. Okay?
2: One hour we did a week. That already. Yeah. One hour a week you can give to those little pets that give you so much every single day, every single hour of the week. This one hour, even though it is at six AM, which is kind of ungodly, uh, give it to the pets because the pets wanna hear. You
3: no, know, a lot of dog people are up at this hour.
2: You think so, huh?
3: It's just having to get up two hours before the show. That's rough. But 6 a.m. is not so well, bad. Well,
2: she's talking about us getting up. You right. don't have to get up two hours before right. the show. Don't be, don't be worried, okay? <laughs> so
3: whether you have kids, you have dogs, or you have both, this is going to be an interesting show.
2: Yeah, and what is today's show?
3: Children and dogs.
2: Children and dogs, okay. day Do goes together kind of like uh, ice cream like and peanut topping. peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> Children and dogs. We're going to discuss, and we have a, a, a jam-packed show again, and we have two tremendous guests. Um, and as because of the complexity of the topic and the depth of the topic, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about, you know, the, lots of news issues that are going by the wires uh, that is pet related news issues. Uh, a couple of them, of course, has been on the story for two days now, Brenda, on, on Yahoo. It is right there on, on the homepage of Yahoo right now this Long Island dog Harding. Hoarding problem with this, oh, I know. This it's thing. tragic.
3: It's just every time I read these stories, it just tears my heart yeah, out. Yeah, it's, it's
2: right now on Yahoo. And, um, and also we just saw this week again, a Mississippi. Can you believe this? Not Missouri. We've been talking about Missouri. Great state. Mississippi. Check this out. Okay. Mississippi is the only state or one of only few states in the country that burning and torture of a pet is not a serious crime.
3: It's not a felony in yeah, this state. Yeah, you
2: could, you could do anything to a pet. You can cut them into pieces, and it's not a serious crime. There's a movement a now to change that, though. Yeah. 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 So Mississippi, get on the bandwagon. What is wrong with you? Yeah. We get a, what time is it in Mississippi? Is it 6 a.m.?
3: I think there's central time. I'm not positive.
2: They should be up Somebody listening to this Somebody from Mississippi, give us a call. Anyway, so we're going to switch right away into our main subject, children and, and dogs. And, and, and if
3: you'd like to call us today, uh, we're at 800-848-WABC.
2: That's 800-848-WABC. We'd love to talk to you. Um, let's talk about children and dogs, okay? I'm going to go through a few statistics. Brenda and I are going to talk a little bit about some statistics because there's so much research out there. It
3: was fascinating. It really was. Yeah. I mean, everyone, you know, you hear children and dogs, everyone has, you know, most people get a warm and fuzzy feeling about children and dogs, but the actual studies, you know, because it's become much more an area of research lately, studies are fascinating.
2: Ab- absolutely. So let's let's go through the studies so we don't get into this nomenclature, this discussion of numbers with our guests, okay? We talk about the meaty, good, juicy stuff. Um the Swedish study for example found that pet exposure during the first year of, of of life of a child okay was associated with lower incidence of allergies and asthma in children can you believe that
3: yeah i mean it's it's really it, it's almost contrary to what to most people's logic i think which is you know the studies are saying that if you have a furry animal at home, a
2: baby with a baby, if you first have a furry,
3: furry, if you're exposed to them, mm-hmm. then you have actually less likelihood of allergies and asthma.
2: It's incredible, and it's yeah. talking about the first year, meaning a one-year-old baby. Early on, yeah, yeah. it needs to be early on. Yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, let's see what another one we have. Large-scale study of 11,000 Australians, Chinese, and Germans found that pet owners made up to 20 percent fewer annual visits to the doctor than non-pet owners. That's an interesting one.
2: And that's a huge study. That's 11,000 right. Australian. I mean, that's a significant so they really number. do keep you healthier. Yeah. And so they 20% less mm-hmm. visits to the doctor. Isn't that fascinating? Another one of 256 children um, ages five to 11. Now we've moved up to five to 11 in three schools in England and Scotland found that kids with pets had fewer sick days.
3: It goes back to the same thing. Somehow well, pets are keeping you healthier.
2: Isn't that weird? Isn't I think strange? most people with
3: pets kind of know that it's just that no one really gives a lot of thought to why that is.
2: Now, these are But today
3: we're talking just about kids. I mean, we could do no, another whole show on, you know, the health benefits in Right, right. We're talking about general. kids, talking yeah, about 5 kids
2: to today. 11, 1-year-old right. babies with pets. I mean, in every category of a child's growth, it seems like there is a, a marginal effect, a health benefit effect. But let's leave the health stuff aside and let's switch to some um, analysis and studies that have been done uh, in a lot of this on the emotional impact of children, okay? Belsky was – Dr. Belsky was a a pioneer in in, in some of this developmental, children's developmental work. And according to the Belsky model, which is sort of accepted as the standard, okay?
3: Of child development. Of
2: child development. There are three stages to a child's development, to to a child becoming an adult, okay? There are three major things that sort of co-interact. With each other, okay? Better, They're not in the, for better or worse. In, for better or worse, these three things interact yeah. with each other, which produces the adult that your child is one day going to be. All right. The first one is, of course, the character of the child. You can't say too much about that. It is what it is. It's the character that the child. You know, they do have a personality. Each child is, is, is a human being, independent human being. So the character of the child is is one of those ingredients. The second one. Is the personality of the parents. I love that The kind of parents that they are. I love that one. Now, everybody that's got a small, small brain knows that parenting makes a huge difference on the kind of child that you bring up, along with the character of the child. Now, what we're going to concentrate on today is number three, right? Right. The personality, the sources of stress and support that the child experiences while growing up. That's the third piece that we're going to be looking at, okay? The sources of stress... Is as equally important as the personality of the child,
3: and and, and I think the dog, parents. Dogs come in on the support side.
2: Well, yeah. the source of stress and support. I'm right. sorry, did mm-hmm. I did I miss the
3: support part? Yeah, on the second one.
2: That's okay. Great. So, what what do we got? What we've got? There's scientific evidence that self-esteem is an important aspect of the social and emotional development of children. There's serious scientific evidence. Many, many studies have shown that kids with pets have higher self-esteem. How about that? It's one of the critical ingredients in this third area of stress and support that we're talking about. Okay, And
3: another another interesting fact is that um, dogs affect a child's ability to understand how someone else feels. So the studies are showing that uh, kids who own pets have more empathy toward other people. And this, in turn, makes them better managers in life, leading possibly to more successful in their personal relationships, their professional lives. I mean, we can all speculate about what that means. But basically, dogs teach kids empathy.
2: Yeah, and that's that's a really important ingredient. It's
3: huge. It's yeah. compassion. It's, you know, it's I understand what you're going through. I can, you know, I feel what you're feeling.
2: And and, and now people may say, well, you know what? That's going to make my kid a wimp, you know? Empathy is going to make him, you know, less aggressive when he's not in the business world. That's not true. We're not talking about that. Who's
3: arguing empathy is a bad thing? Well, some
2: people, like you're not arguing, but some people <laughs> may see it that way. Some people that want their dogs to, you know, this, their kids. This is
3: my favorite one, though. Um, And and this goes to the the social support that that dogs provide, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later with one of our guests, but children regularly nominate their dog when asked who's the first person they go to with a problem. (laughs) And there's advantages to telling problems to your dogs, right, because they don't criticize you. They just love you and they listen to you. Now,
2: remember, you're talking – the way we're thinking we're talking about the way a child thinks right okay so when a child thinks that the first person i'm going to talk to if i have a problem is my dog that you don't take that literally that's that's in the formative stages of development of a child's mind
3: directly to the bond that the child feels with the animal
2: and and Um, why is uh, stress uh, support self-esteem so important so critical to a child Uh, well first of all it's very very important to an adult but what we're talking about is these are the ingredients that are going to produce the adult right. down the line.
3: Right. Children just inherently know that dogs will love them unconditionally and be non-judgmental.
2: We have Gary holding on the lines, and so we're going to put Gary on the phone and see what his opinion is about uh, about, about this subject. Gary, are you there?
1: Hi. Hi, Gary. Um, I have a problem that I don't know if I didn't know you were on the air, so congratulations, by the way. I, uh, Thank you. Thank you, Gary. You uh, didn't advertise it to your friends. But anyway, I wanted to ask you this question. First of all, you, the
4: cat
2: that you gave me. Oh, uh, I, I think, Gary, I think you're talking to the wrong organization, wrong guy, because we did <laughs> we, not give you a cat.
3: <laughs> Toxic danger.
2: But thank it's you for calling us anyway. Visit,
3: but thanks for calling.
2: So anyway, so the uh, it, it's it's fascinating. This studies that we've seen, and we're going to come back with one one of our guests. The first yeah. one is going to be John Polis. Hopefully, uh,
3: understand a little more about the psychology behind the child dog relationship. So uh, we're going to go to our first break now, okay. and uh, be back in just a few moments with our first guest.
2: And we're going to be going with our first guest. The number at WABC is 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And without further ado, I want to introduce to our audience John Polis, Senior Public Relations Manager at Best Friends Animal Society. We John? love those
3: guys over at Best Friends.
2: That's right. Hey, John, are you on? Hey, good morning, guys. How are you doing? All right. Good all morning, right. John. You're on the
4: East Coast today. I am. Uh, down in Baltimore. Um, awfully cold down here. I hope it's
2: a little warmer up at your place, but I trust that it probably is not. It is not. It is the same. It's warmer than temperature. yesterday.
3: We have 27 <laughs> degrees. <laughs>
2: right. So, what time did you wake up this morning?
4: I, well,
2: I'm up and at 'em. Like
4: probably not as early as you guys did, but
2: no, um, I, I, well, we're hopefully at it. not. Hopefully not. So. Um, You have a tremendous amount of experience working, first of all, um, as an individual, obviously, but also as a senior manager over at Best Friends Animal Society. Let me ask you a first question on today's subject. What has Best Friends discovered through the myriad? I mean, you have so many programs about the effects of pets on children.
4: Well, you know, uh, we've got a number of outreach programs that are designed uh, to reach children and One of the main ones is I Read to Animals, uh, one that we've done for probably the last couple of years. It's not necessarily a unique program because there are various programs out there about reading to animals and kids having involvement, but um, one of the things that we've done is done some other things. Uh, We've built a, a humane education lesson in there, some you know, some writing, art, and crafts, and well, etc. Et John,
2: let's go back. Sorry to interrupt you, but let's go back to reading to animals. Yeah. Now, how does the how does it work? And it sounds a little insane to be reading to an animal. So, tell us more about why you do it and how it works.
4: Well, it doesn't. And when I first heard about it uh, from our staffers when we were ri- originally working on, it, I thought is this a new therapy for the animals? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to figure out how do they get, how does this work? How do you
3: teach a dog to read, right?
4: Right. And were you um. ever
2: successful in teaching a dog to read?
4: <laughs> and, um, but uh, what it is, it's really designed for the kids. And the kids, a um, uh, couple of things. They build, they, they, it builds kindness, compassion, and respect toward the animal. Um, and it encourages language and reading skills in a very non-judgmental environment. Um, the kids, we find that there's a lot of kids that have trouble reading out there. And But when they sit down with a c- kind, compassionate person, like uh, their dog, or, the, or uh, and, and the dog sits there and listens
2: quietly, um, they're the boss. Mm. And they call the shots. So the and, child that reads... To the animal, am I correct? That's right. And and what do you guys do in that? What's your what's the best friends role? Well, we, we've we've
4: taken this program to various areas. Actually, we uh, a little over a year ago we ha- we were at the Children's Museum in New York City and wow. had a program there that was very well received.
3: Sorry, we missed that.
4: Yeah, <laughs> and then. Um, We've started branching out, and well, our our base of operations is southwestern Utah, but we've uh, started taking it to public schools in our area, and the kids just love it. Um,
3: it's actually starting to spawn up all over the country now. I've read, you know, e- even here in New York, I think, by the Way has a program. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but, it's, but it's let's, been let's so be successful. But let's be clear about
2: this. We don't, you don't put this program forth to be able to teach dogs how to read, Right. <laughs> It's only so that the child fosters um, some sort of, uh, and, and, and you know what, you're, you're better to speak of, but what does it foster in, in the child that he sits there and reading to a dog who clearly doesn't understand what you're saying?
4: Well, it, mainly it's self-confidence. We find that some of the kids that have trouble reading or that are a little bit hesitant about getting up in front of class, maybe their self-confidence is down. Mm-hmm. When they have a non-judgmental um, creature in front of them, um they take over, and really? they blossom um,
2: and that we, carries through the their dogs. normal life
4: it does and uh, and then when we couple uh some other lessons with it, you know the, there 's the reading one on one with the animal with really no adult supervision. Um, then we have an education lesson, a writing or craft activity, a stuffed animal adoption at the end. Where the child gets to adopt a stuffed animal and take them home. And they also get an I read to animals adoption certificate to take with them. So the kids just love it. And um, we've had it, we have a very small town where Best Friends is located in Kanab. And we've had it at the schools, the library, several places. And we've get large crowds all the time. Kids just love it. Well and this wow. this
3: therapeutic benefit is being used all over the country, child psychiatrists and therapists, because kids just love animals, most of them inherently love animals and relax in their presence.
2: Well yeah. to that to that point, John, let me ask your opinion on something. A lot of children are afraid of pets, especially dogs. Just right. afraid of I've seen it, you've seen it, everybody's seen it. They see a dog, they start going to mommy. Some of them even cry. Why do you think that's so? Well, uh, I, all I can
4: say is that um, we, we do work all over the country, and some of our folks that are that that work with us in Chicago, um, we've done a lot of work with our Safe Humane program in Chicago, and we did a lot of work with the students at Walter Payton Preparatory School in Chicago, uh, specifically to educate them about dog safety and that dogs were could be their friends, um, coupled with all of the news and the activity we hear about dog fighting we found that a lot of kids in the inner cities are naturally frightened of dogs Mm uh in our in one of our humane programs in the schools the kids very gingerly came up to the dogs and learned that these dogs could be friendly and could be their buddies they weren't always threatening them from afar and supposedly protecting someone uh and so um We were stunned that so many kids were naturally afraid of dogs. And And,
3: do you find that mostly uh, to be an inner city versus rural issue?
4: From my own experience, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of, of views on that. But you know, if you're if you're out in the rural area and there's a little bit more space, chances are maybe there's a dog next door or there's one with you. Where you know, a lot of people have dogs that are pals. You know.
3: I grew up in the country. We all, everyone has animals.
4: Sure. Everyone has dogs. Yeah, and and and, and meat. I'm the same way. You know, we always had a dog or a cat around, and so it's just a normal part of life. But mm-hmm. if you're in the inner city and or in a in a place where um, there are. More dangerous dogs, maybe you seem to run into more dangerous dogs in a specific area of the country or your neighborhood or whatever, for whatever reason, right.
2: you're yes. going to be scared of that. yeah, yeah. yeah. but let me, let me switch for, for a second from the, the, the fear aspect, but all of the studies we just quoted some of them, you know there's hundreds of studies that show positive development in the child when it's interacting with an animal or a dog. Uh, what do you think? What do you think is the magic that's happening? Why is there this, this, this back and forth? Uh, this positive magic back and forth between a child and a dog. What do you think is happening? Well,
4: um, it, it's probably it's probably no
2: different than
4: the magic that goes back and forth with an animal and adults. Um, there's something there that we all feel when we're with an animal. I, I, know, I was chuckling when you said that um, it's part of a child's development that they, you know, that, that when they talk to animals as part of their formative development. I was going to ask you, Alex, is if that means I'm still in my formative development when I talk to my cat. Can I just
3: say, Alex clearly is. I
4: usually charge for advice like that, John. <laughs> well, you know, um, you know that that little face is looking at you, and they look, for, you know, that, that animal's looking for guidance. It's looking for you to say something to them, and it it brings out, the kind part of us and kids feel that right off and sometimes it's it's joy because the kid is feeling it for the first time maybe right or he hasn't been around an animal and you can see uh them bloom you know they build um there's there's all kinds of things that they get out of it and and after an i read to animal session uh one of the boys got up and he was reading to a a golden retriever called pele Mm -hmm. and uh this is a therapy dog from Las Vegas that was in the program, and he looked up and he goes, "You know, Pele is a very good listener." <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> so, John, let me ask you this question. Now, this is another hypothetical, okay? But yeah. the proof is pretty much unequivocally positive for children and, and, and pets. So, why wouldn't we just pass a law? Okay, now I'm going. I'm going to go out there, but sometimes surprise, need to go out surprise. There, right? Why wouldn't we just pass a law that says each parent must adopt at least least one pet in a lifetime of a child?
4: Well, uh, probably be a good good idea as long as we could guarantee that those folks were really into what it takes to have an animal as part of the home. You
3: can't mandate somebody has a pet just because it's good for kids. But
2: sometimes you have to go outside the envelope. We can't even get them to eat fruit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good point. All, <laughs> Broccoli. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
4: if everybody could feel what we feel by having our our pets right. and our best friends around, um, it would be good. Well, that's um, like
3: that's why programs like I read are, are are really so great for kids because even if they don't have a dog at home, they still have the opportunity to become exposed and to you know to learn the great
4: benefit of when, it. When we were in New York, uh, we had a Dutch family come uh, to the event. And they brought their two little, they a boy and a girl because they're both allergic to animals and they can't have one at home. So they got a chance to come and spend some time. And when you see that, uh, a little girl, um, or a little boy on the laying down on their stomachs with a book right. in front of them and the dog laying beside them kind of listening. Yeah. It's quite the sight, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, uh, and we've, we've seen that over and over again with this program. And, um, you know, the kids get self confidence to become better readers, um, and the the interaction the kids achieve a nice comfort level reading to the animals. Right. One on one, it's safe, and as our as our folks say that run the program, there are no corrections here. Right. The kids are the experts, right. and the dogs are just listening.
2: So this is a major outreach effort of, of uh, best friends. Then, eh? To, uh, it's it's not quite as major as we would like. As we plan to make it, but
4: we 're getting there, and uh, our humane education department is really runs this Kim Dalton and dr. sandy Biner are the are the really the the driving force behind this program um, but you know we love it because we we can really see positive um, Positive progress, and we can see how it lights up the faces of the kids when we're there. Right. Yeah. And, and the they, kids
3: and the kids are, are as a as a byproduct, of, you know, of all the other things, they're they're becoming better readers, and they're liking the time that they're spending doing it, which is yeah. was a, a great positive effect. I saw uh, an interesting quote from uh, Kim Dalton at Best Friends that said, "Reading to the animals seems strange to the adults, but you know, it's the adults that it has to be explained to. The kids just get it."
4: Yeah. She says the kids get, you know, their imagination is really hard at work from the beginning. Right. And, uh, um, and the, we've also noticed that, the, that at least in uh, a couple of elementary schools we've been in, it catches on between the teachers. They see that it's really a good program. So, yeah, the program's really kindergarten right. through third grade. Right, right. Uh, but I'm we've we found that um, the more we do it, all the, oh, the teachers want, want us to come back and uh, so it, it's been a it's been a joyous program to be involved in wow
2: well john thank you so much for joining us this morning we're out of time on this segment uh, really enjoyed the conversation. I just wish that all parents could hear this program. I, I think it would be such a yeah. plus if, they could, if we could just pipe this into everybody's home just for once. You know?
3: And let's get but, let's get best friends to get uh, one of those reading programs going on regularly here in New York.
2: There you go. Yeah, all that'd right, be great. John, well, I've got well, a few
3: teachers who'll be your first, uh, your, your first volunteers, I'm sure.
2: Right. All right, John,
4: go back to sleep. Hey. Okay, well, congratulations on your show. You guys Thank are you. doing a great job. Thank you. I look forward to uh, being with you some more, okay?
2: Often. Thanks, John. Well, we're back on the air, and Robert from the Bronx in New York uh, is saying to us that it is important to understand the environment a child is raised in you are so Absolutely. right Robert we'll try to put you on the air a little bit later we have um, our second guest waiting Brenda, And we're who-
3: going talk about we're gonna talk about that right now actually um, rethinking the way people communicate with their pets is a cornerstone of Brian Kilcommon's approach to dog training he's author of seven books. And has trained more than 35,000 dogs, ranging from abandoned shelter pups to the poshest celebrity pooches, including Harrison Ford's Labrador Retriever, Diane Sawyer's Cavalier King Charles, and Candace Bergen's Two Mixed Breeds. In case any of them are listening uh, this morning, we have Brian with us. Uh, Brian, are you there?
2: Hey, good morning, Brenda. Good morning, Alex. Good Good morning, morning, Brian. So, so are you up and how many cups of coffee have you had? two <laughs> okay you're working on the three right hey yeah and i'm up early anyway so
3: at some point we're going to stop talking about the early of this so. show you know because i i feel for yeah. the people that listen to us on podcast you know because we're, yeah. you know, we're, yeah. you know, we're on itunes they're listening in the
2: middle of the and they have the the to hear the way i'm going to get this thing to move forward and get a better time from abc that's that's my plan <laughs> well, right. master plan here <laughs> so uh brian uh, we I, w- I have a whole bunch of questions to ask you i think you're a fascinating gentleman um I want to start by talking about your book, okay, Tales from the Bark Side. Yes. Fascinating book. I did not read the entire book, so I want to be clear about that, but I did skim through it. Um, you speak very eloquently of your family's dog, Irish. His name was yeah, Irish. great dog. And the tremendous influence that Irish had on your life. Tell us yeah. a little bit about how Irish influenced you as a child.
1: I think everyone who has grown up with dogs can kind of identify with the safety dogs provide. I mean, we don't have to think about touching them. We get affection. They make us laugh. They're our play partners. Uh, They just really round out our lives in a way that people can't. And Irish was that dog for me. And, in fact, one of the reasons I got involved with training and getting involved with the animal world Mm -hmm. was because of him. He had a big impact.
2: You also continue in your book, again, Tales from the Bark Side, very cute title. Um, You continue talking about Irish and how Irish served as an emotional buffer in your house, um, in between yourself and your father. And you talk about the, uh, the terror. Um, the quote is, during a, a time when my life was full of stress and terror. Um, tell us about what happened and Irish's role in the relationship between yourself and your father.
0: Well,
1: <clears throat> my father was an unhappy, violent man, and that was brought into the family, unfortunately. And Irish was, you know, as a kid, you talk to your dogs, you hold your dogs. And you do stuff with your dogs, and as a, as a kid, that's what I did with Irish. You know, I used to go out to uh, the backyard or the fields with him, and just hang out with him. And it was a source of, a source of safety and consolation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, one of the things people don't realize is our society has changed. You know, touch is really important for human beings, and when you, you with people, it's always iffy, especially now with all the sexual connotations. And I think one of the reasons people love dogs so much is that interaction has no uh, connotation of something wrong.
3: You're not going to get in trouble for touching your dog, right?
1: No, or the dog coming up look, looking at you, going, "You know what? I love you. I don't care. You know how much money you make, what you weigh, what you look like, or what you do, or who you are in this world. I love you for you." And I think that uh, non-judgmental relationship makes us better human beings. And I know it has for me.
2: And it, it was a dramatic uh, and you, it was a dramatic impact on your that particular period of your life where where your father and yourself were in uh, stressful.
1: Yes, very much so.
2: Very much so. In fact,
1: well, what, one of the things I have to point out, Brenda and Alex, is my co-author is Sarah Wilson. I would love to take credit for the book by myself. But,
3: but you didn't do it alone. Yeah, we should no, mention I, that.
1: Uh, no, I didn't. So as far as doing this, uh, Sarah deserves accolades for.
3: Well, thank you for you clarifying know. that. As a person who's often left uh, out of credit in our issue,
1: I, 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 I found I'm it. sympathetic
3: to that. All
4: right. <laughs> Alex? <Yeah. laughs> Help. So thank
3: you, Sarah, for your contribution, and I'm sorry don't that make, we didn't have her on the show today with us, too.
1: Hey, don't make me put you in a timeout. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Tell me something, uh, uh, Brian, how much of Irish do you think lives on today in Brian Kilcommons?
1: You know, it's not just Irish, Alex. It's all the dogs that have been in my life. I mean, the impact has been drastic. You know, they're with us twenty-four-seven. You wake up in the morning, and they're standing there wagging their tails, looking at you. Um, but, and you but, go to bed at night, and you know they're there again.
2: Right, but, but what I'm focusing is is on that segment when you're, childhood. yeah, the childhood segments, one year old to probably twelve. How and, and that's why I'm focusing on Irish. How has their relationship with Irish? Do you think developed you into the man you are today?
1: It taught me kindness and caring. I mean, this is somewhat off-color, guys, but, you know, I'm going to go with it. At at one point, I'm with my brother, and we're looking at Irish, and he is somewhat stimulated, and the anatomy of a dog is a little bit different. Yes. And both of us looked at each other, and we thought he had a tumor. (laughs) (laughs) We called the vet. (laughs) You know, we were like seven and eight. But we loved this dog. We didn't want anything to happen to him. The vet thought it was amusing with the questions that we had. But I think it brought out a certain level of caring uh, about something other than yourself.
2: Yeah, that's a primary report. I'm yeah. going to put on Robert, who's been holding on the line for quite a long time from Bronx, New York. Uh, Rob, Robert, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Robert. How are you? Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Uh, you sound like you need a cup of coffee.
0: <laughs> no, I'm good. Um, this is um, just a normal day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have Brian Kilcommons on the phone with us Robert do you have a question
0: yeah well um, I just wanted to comment on something you guys said earlier
2: absolutely um, go ahead
0: The the, the other, other than those three areas um, as of, of the child operation the personality of the parents and the child inert inert um, personality the um, effective environment of the child is also very very important um, I grew up in Jamaica and we had dogs but I was also um, very frail coming up, and I was teased a lot. So um, the old folks used to protect me, so I grew up feeling more at home, dealing with children and older folks, and that's a part of me up to this day. Mm-hmm. I, I also was a after-school teacher um, here in the, in, the, in the Bronx, and you see a variety of different cultures, and I could tell you that I do agree with you that Having someone reading um, to a dog or to a pet and not having a, any kind of um, negative reaction from that individual uh, or that animal is, is a very positive uh, situation to set up. And, you know, in the inner city, most young folks have a, a, a background where the dog was not in a positive sense, whether it's coming up from seeing mm-hmm. the dog used as a tool for controlling crowds or seeing it used Right, to right.
2: Writing. Right, right. And that's where the fear, that's what we talked about with John Polos before. Maybe that's where the fear emanates from.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So um, I, I do believe that uh, removing that type of um, um, thought process and the values that you, you, you would gain from all that is, is, is the trust that they have with the animal. And and the self-esteem part of it, so all of that you know put in together, I, I strongly do agree with you guys and I think you guys are doing a good job. Thank you thank, you thank it's you Thank okay. you for Thanks.
3: calling this morning thank We you, appreciate Robert. your comments Appreciate it. Brian Yes, ma'am. Um, in your book Child Proofing Your Dog, mm-hmm. um, trying to help people understand the psychology behind the relationship, uh, the child dog relationship, and some common mistakes that people often make with children. Um, can you tell us what are some of those common things that maybe people could try to avoid? common mistakes that people make with kids?
1: Lack of common sense.
3: Okay, that's a little difficult one to... uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Listen, dogs are predators. You know, we make them into fur babies. And we don't use common sense going, okay, instead of going, nothing's going to go wrong. Why don't we look at what if, when you're dealing with an animal and a child. One of the things in the child-proofing your dog, we developed an acronym called SAFE. And what that means is you supervise the interaction. And supervision means you being there. If you walk out of the room and you have a toddler with a dog, either the dog comes with you or the toddler comes with you. You anticipate what can possibly happen. When you have a three-year-old screaming across the room ready to jump on a sleeping dog, maybe you want to interrupt that behavior.
2: So, so there are some negatives, okay? We've been, we've been talking about all the studies that show all the positive. I mean, you know, uh, 20% fewer visits to the doctors, you know, less sick days being taken in, less allergies, Yeah, asthma. but they're all
3: positive to the kids, right? They're now all we're talking about, there for... are some, no, there no, are no, no, some no, no, potential no. I, negatives I to stay. the dog.
2: No, I want to stay with the kids. Let's talk yeah. about something that he just brought up, okay? He won't he said, let me go to the dogs. No, I don't want to talk about the dogs. I want to talk about the kids. And the kids, in this case, you're telling me that there is some aspects of the, the pet, child okay and i'm talking early early childhood um that there's some negatives there tell us more about the negatives okay well
1: i'm not i'm, I'm not sure about the negatives that you're talking about Alex. well
2: you just you just mentioned one thing for example you said they're predators and as predators you need to be careful that your child that you you have to use common sense that you well, don't put your child, your, your, dog your child in a mitigating position your child well i'm asking related, you what he is suggesting
1: alex we have 77 million dogs in this country Half the families in America own dogs. By far, the dogs really interact unbelievably well with children. We have the media blowing this stuff up with misinformation. If it bleeds, it leads. And right. making right. these situations where we're blaming the dogs. Well, you know what? It's not the dogs. And there are some consistent factors here that we need to look at. That's it. Many Tell other, us. Many of the dogs that bite are unneutered male dogs through the ages of one and three huh, if I have kids and I have a male dog, maybe the testicles should go (laughs) and the ego needs to be put in the pocket. Two, lack of training. There was just a piece in the New York Times, Freakonomics, where this guy gave his opinion on dog bites. As an example with the media, Houston, a woman has a four-month-old baby that is in a stroller or a, a, a seat, And she goes to leave the baby alone for a minute. She has nine dogs. The the back door is blocked by a washing machine and a slab of marble. And this guy carries on about a so-called Rottweiler who pushed through it and then attacked the baby. Okay. Now, from my perspective, anybody with nine dogs, I have questions about. Two, if you're blocking your doorways with washing machines and marble slabs, Do you think there may be a problem with the dog?
3: That you might not want to leave the baby in close proximity. Right. Yeah.
1: So, you know, when this stuff comes up, when we're looking at the interactions with dogs and people, a lot of the problems is the dogs are known problems. This Mm -hmm. does not happen out of the blue.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Your point is well taken. I mean, 77 million dogs. How many of these cases are even reported? Now, I totally agree with you, Brian, that the the media takes it and runs with it because it's a good story, and all the mothers will shiver when they see how, you know, whatever happened to a little baby. How often does it happen? And let's not minimize the tragedy. 77 million. Let's not minimize the
3: tragedy, but, but statistically speaking, it's a very low percentage of dogs.
1: I think there were 32 fatalities last year. And how many of those... And as far as bites, uh, I think they're 4.5 million bites. And and maybe more. And a lot of those those are children. A lot of of those
3: are children, correct?
1: And another example. A woman brings her, I think he was three years old. He loves dogs. She brings him by a dog park. The child is allowed to go up to a mastiff Uh, and hug it. Oh, my goodness. The dog turns and bites him. What a shame. Mm-hmm. Again,
3: common it. sense, right? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. You know, as far as doing this, it's an unknown dog. Right. How do you let a child that is face height or less go up to a strange dog, and as she's standing there, literally, quote, he just loves dogs? Well, you know what? Most A lot of dogs aren't used to children. And you wouldn't let him run up and hug a stranger on the street. Why would you let him do it with a dog? Right.
2: Yeah, I, I I think the the concept is that if you just walk up to your child, walks up to a stranger's child and hugs him, chances are he's not going to get bit. Right. Okay, and and Dogs so as soon as we start thinking of the dog as equivalent to another, you know, like you said, either a fur bunny or or another child, you're making a huge mistake. That dog is not changed right. into a child. Just. Yeah.
3: And it's, it, you know, it, in, in, in rescue and, and shelter uh, adoptions, um, you know, it's so common to get the question from potential adopters, adopters, how's the dog around children? And, and people really need to be asking themselves the second part of that question, which is, how's your kid around dogs?
1: And the other thing is we do have a good baseline for behavior in this country called the canine good citizen test. Where the dog is evaluated by being handled, being groomed, what it's like around other dogs, what it's like around other people. We're big advocates
3: of that test. We actually, we're trying to get dogs that pass the canine good citizen into um, restaurants.
1: Right. So, (laughs) as far as we do have a baseline, so if you have a dog in the household, would it be worth it to invest training your dog to pass the canine good citizen test Mm -hmm. as some type of? Of evaluation that the dog is going to be safe with people, mm-hmm. or right. you let it grow up on its own, and a lot of these dogs, Alex, you know, when you you what the news doesn't do, one it misidentifies them consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, they pit bull, or pit bull mix.
2: Oh, they right. be so maligned. Everything gets Oh liable. my god,
1: yeah, right. Yeah. So as far as that misidentification, it's a very broad brush, and it it. it it's pejorative because people have already been trained that all pit bulls are killers, which is just not true. Yeah, it is I've, I've had numerous shelter programs where I literally have 60 or 80 novice volunteers going into shelters. And in many shelters, most of the population are pit bull-type dogs. All right. But that can be a
2: boxer lab mix. Right. right.
3: They're misidentified yeah. all the time. In fact, we have a show coming up in a couple of weeks specifically on pit bulls. We're going to be talking more about that. Do we have time for one more question for Brian? Or?
2: Yes, absolutely.
3: Um, I think, uh, uh, let's see, what, what do we have? We had a few here. We're going to have to skip to the Well, uh, I want the to, I want to ask what do one parents, question. That one?
2: Uh, no, I want to talk about okay. why. Why is it that so many rescue organizations refuse? Remember that whole Ellen Degeneres thing a couple of years ago. Um, why is it that so many rescue organizations mm. will refuse to adopt a dog to a family uh, that has sheltered. a child? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. liability.
2: That's yeah, it.
3: It's liability.
1: You know, yes, because you know what's happening with many of these shelter organizations. You know what our legal system is like. Um, they will sue. And they can put the organization out of business. So many of them are going, we're not taking the chance.
2: So it's not—it's not, not because they're afraid that the the child is going to abuse the dog by by burning him or you know you know t- children can be really mean also. Let's not just switch it when left unsupervised. Do. Yeah, exactly. I mean,
1: children do horrible well, things today. I mean, hey, Alex, if you have a kid that's doing that, he's just practicing till
2: he moves on to human beings. There you go. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's another study. That's
1: another. Yeah, yeah. that's another show,
2: Brian.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look at all the things we opened up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you no, know, since we're running out of time, one of the things I'd like to point out. Is that if you want to enhance your child's personality and their uh, experiences in life, a dog is one of the best ways to do it. But it does come with responsibility. If you take that responsibility seriously, and millions of Americans can attest to this, that the dogs in their lives have added to their lives, make them better people, make them more loving, and bring them out of themselves in a way that people can't.
2: Right, but but Brian. When you say seriously, uh, how, I mean, is it that difficult? I mean, you're one of the great trainers out there in the world. Is it that difficult? I mean, is it is it something that parents should really worry about? Kind of like I'm buying a house, can I get what out on the mortgage?
3: It's like having a child.
2: No, no, ha- bringing a dog into the family. He's is it that about the complex? Responsibility and yeah, commitment. is it the training or whatever it takes to to make sure that the relationship between the child and the dog is a good one? Is it a, a really complex thing that parents have to worry about? It is it just common no, sense? No, but mostly?
1: but it does take time and it does take information. And people many times assume that the, every dog is going to readily adjust to every child, and it's the wrong assumption. Mm-hmm.
2: So what's the assumption that they can make? What's the that assumption you that you're going with? If you
1: invest the time and the energy to train the, select the dog that's going to work for your household, train it and learn it where the dog understands its position in the family, right? Mm-hmm. and at the same time training your children how to interact with dogs respectfully and properly, you get the benefits.
3: All dogs, not just the dogs in your yes. own home. And
1: the other thing right. I want to point out, which is never brought up, a lot of these dogs that are biting people are known bad actors in their neighborhoods. Right. I had one in mind, and what I did is I wrote a letter to the owner, and I used these terms, vicious propensities. And I said to him, your dogs run at large, they have vicious propensities, you know that they're dangerous. This is forewarning. I sent it to the county attorney, I sent it to animal control, and I sent it to him. And mm-hmm. I now have a legal basis. If those dogs do something, he is going to be taken to task right.
3: legally. There are, there are common denominators in a lot of these bad, bad stories.
2: Well, Brian, tell us, what are the, the, the warning signs that a, that a parent should realize there is an issue going on between her child or and uh, and the dog? What are some of the, the key warning signs that they should, you know, sort of, as soon as they see these things, they should be go, uh, pulling the help cord? With,
1: with the dog's reaction, any stiffening of the body, vocalization, growling, snarling, all right moving away in an uncomfortable manner. But on the other hand, this is twofold. It's a relationship, Alex. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the child doing to the dog?
3: Right. You know, years ago, if a child got bit by a dog, the first question was, well, what did you do to the dog? <laughs> right. now Now we've completely reversed that.
0: Exactly. We expect
3: dogs to never, ever, ever react under any circumstances, and it, it has to be a mutual relationship. Just like right.
1: So, what are the parents doing to teach the child and the dog how to interact safely and happily? Right.
3: And on that note, um, we recommend uh, childproofing your dog uh, as a good place to Brian's start. Book.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's- yeah and our, one of our major training books is My Smart Puppy. It comes with a DVD, and the DVD is great to sit down with the family including the children, Mm -hmm. to show them how to interact and start communicating with dogs.
3: And we have a link to that on our our website. There's lots of stuff on our
2: website,
1: yeah. Yeah.
3: All the information we talked about today. Absolutely. So thank you for joining us, Brian. We really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. You guys are great. Keep up the great work. If I can be of any help with uh placing dogs that need homes. I'd love to help you. You've already been You might have there. We'll just gotten more you than again. you
3: bargained for. <laughs> 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 in fact, we had a guy a earlier that
2: in to place a cat. No. <laughs>
1: yeah,
3: yeah,
4: yeah.
2: Well, All you right. started out my morning well. I thank you. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, thank you, Brian. Have a good day. And we'll Take be care. back after Bye-bye. this break. Thanks.
3: Welcome back. We're at 77 WABC, and we always, uh, or we try to every week, feature one dog from the Dogs in Danger website um, who's in need of a home and, um, let's just say, running out of time. And so, um, first, let me say that, uh, we well, we have, sometimes we pick the dog, and occasionally um, we have an option on the website for people to actually sponsor a dog on the air if they choose to. And Catherine Coday of Richmond, Virginia, thank you for sponsoring. Jared from the... uh, the Bladen County uh, Shelter in North Carolina, and good news is uh, Jared was adopted uh, right before today's show. So um, so we picked another dog from that same shelter. Um, today's dog is Jack, and he's a Jack Russell Terrier. Surprise, surprise, I guess hence the name. Mm-hmm. Jack's listed by the shelter as a one-year-old mix, but he sure looks pretty close to a uh, purebred uh, Jack Russell And uh, Jack Russells are extremely smart, loving, energetic. If you're looking for an active companion, then Jack's your boy. So that's the Bladen County, uh, North Carolina shelter. Um, We'll have that. uh, The information's uh, available on the Dogs in Danger website if you search North Carolina. His name is Jack. And and this shelter actually has um, a whole group of um, volunteers uh, that have transport available. So even if you're not in the North Carolina area. And let me tell you, Jack's doing... Jack is doing his very best uh, in this photo to um, to make his appeal. He's just really oh yeah, hamming, hamming now, it up. How many up.
2: Days, the, the days does Jack have?
3: Uh, it's saying two days left.
2: Two days left. Okay, yeah. guys, did you hear that? So okay, there's time is over the sixty thousand people okay. listening to this radio station in New York alone. We don't even know how many in New York uh, out uh, outside of New York through the website. Right. Please, let's Jack's got still. two days left. Yeah. They all, the deserve, they
3: all deserve loving homes. But look, we can only we pick one dog for each show to feature. So that's that's what we've done. What Let's a, talk about next week.
2: What a fascinating show this was. Yeah,
3: it was a great show. I
2: mean it's yeah. a it's a huge subject. Thank you to both of our
3: guests. Yeah. Was such a- and I
2: love the way it switched back and forth. All right. this positive stuff, and then suddenly this negative comes in about uh, children getting bit, you know, four and a half million bites, whatever. Not all children, mind you. You know, so it switched to the dark side and came back to the other side. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's a great thing overwhelmingly to have. Overwhelmingly positive. great yeah. thing just letters. you need to have a little bit of common sense if you don't have the common sense it takes some maybe time you should stay away from right. having a kid altogether. yeah right rethink having that? the kid forget the dog forget <laughs> the kid go to the movies that's the advice if you don't have any common sense at all how's that anyway <laughs> tomorrow next week's show okay we're gonna we're gonna go over to another major subject pet overpopulation is it reality Or is it a myth?
3: That's going to be a great discussion.
2: It's a great discussion. Looking forward to it again. 6 a.m. next Sunday, the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. Back with Alex
3: and Brenda next week.
2: See you guys then.